so the fun thing is that I guess Dwayne The Rock Johnson was initially up for uh, the lead in The One. Really? Huh. Him and I think a couple of other names were tossed around. But we got that. Jet Li. So this is one best. of those things that we rewrite the script based on who we get, <laughs> is, is what that sounds like. It has to be. Yeah, I guess. Because uh, I, don't, I don't see the Shingwe Bagua thing working with Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. I was about to say the same thing. It feels so much like it's written for Jet Li, because such a feature is like, oh, but the two dudes squaring off do different martial arts that look visually distinct from one another. Isn't that cool? Unless it was saying he was up for like, Statham's job or something, which would also kind of make sense, but mm-hmm. for him to lead this movie seems mm-hmm. bonkers. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I yeah. guess it's it's right around the time that he's making the leap. But yeah, I don't, I don't Scorpion know, King's right around here. Don't know that it's it's the right the right move for him. So it's probably you're absolutely right. I think it's for the best that this becomes a Jet Li vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree as well. Well, hello again and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in the film stays course. This week's film, as we continue in this anti-trash marathon of Asian American action crime thrillers. Yeah, what we, we had East meets West East crime wave. East meets yeah. West. Say it again. East meets West crime wave. East meets West crime wave. I remember mm-hmm. that now. But I've slept since I'll then. I'll give it a week. Uh, I will not remember it next week either. Um, I'll do my best. But nonetheless, uh, we're talking gently in James Wong's The One. James Wong is um, more of a TV guy than he is a film guy, but um, he's got some credits to his name. So we'll talk about all of that good stuff here, but I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton. And isn't it nice that none of us sound like Max Headroom anymore? It is so nice that we no longer... So we don't have to battle across the multiverse. Eighties against... in the morning, even in the afternoon. Noon, 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 noon. Yeah. Sorry, you skipping again. Sorry, sorry. Um. Anyway, so uh, in case you're tuning into the Good Trash Honorcast for the very first time, dear listener, we want to warn you that this is an analysis show, not a uh, review show, and that means there will be spoilers. Uh, we will spoil this movie from 2001, uh, but we'll avoid that in the first part of the show. We'll have synopsis, which will be just like a synopsis, which don't tell you anything except for kind of the um, logline, the uh, tagline, the this is the inciting incident, the high concept. And then we'll move on to thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, just to let you know if the movie hits for us individually as viewers. And then finally, we'll get down. Oh, no, before that, before finally, next to finally, penultimately, we will then do uh, a little exercise called Expanding the Syllabus, which might involve just the gentlest spoilers of this film or other films of its ilk. And then finally, that's when we get to the ultimate, we get down to business. And that's when all, bus- or all business bets where all spoiler bets are off. And they'll be kicking music to let you know that we have gotten down to business. I wouldn't make any business bets either, though. No no business bets. I, that's insider trading. Hmm. And that will get you arrested. Ask Martha Stewart. Uh, moving on. Arthur, do you have a synopsis with which to delight, to delight us? The multiverse exists. <laughs> and the impact of loss within each universe creates ripples in the others. Yulaw discovers this after killing a variant of himself, bringing him new power. So, Yulaw sets out across the multiverse to become more than mortal. He wants to become a god. He wants to become the one. This is all true. This is exactly what happens. For five minutes, yes. Yeah. Um, so, with that... I should have just listed the voiceover from the beginning. <laughs> it's so fun. Remember, there was, an era, there was an era of science fiction film where you had to explain the concept of a multiverse. Yeah. You, just, you, you couldn't just, like... Be like, we're doing that. Now we're mad if there's not a multiverse in it. Yeah, I'm saying. I, I know, yeah. We need more of that madness, right? Uh, well, with that, um, I Max in the multiverse have of seen the movie a few times. Arthur saw part of the movie. Dalton, have you ever seen this oh, movie? Oh, yeah, big time. So I guess the most virginal of the eyeballs would be Arthur's. So uh, what is your initial reaction to The One? Um, I like it more than Replacement Killers. Yes. I think it's got more personality, which is kind of the thing we talked about missing from that film. Sure. Um, Jet Li is really cool. Uh, I think the ratio of fight scenes to Jet's Lee uh, is too low. Uh, <laughs> we need more fight scenes in a fighting movie starring Jet Li plus Times Jet Li. Yeah. And 123 other Jet Li's, supposedly. How about all those wigs, though? Uh, I think that little that little world-building bit there at the beginning, I think it's a really clever little move. I mean, yeah. we kind of poke fun at the way it sets up the multiverse definition thing, but then we do get that scene where Yulaw's uh, uh, on trial, and it goes through all of the victims uh, of Jet Li's across the multiverse. And that's just a nice little world-building bit mm-hmm. that I think is fun. And I, I do like... 
this world I like in that kind of opening sequence, um, in that first uh, hit, uh, the, the the cops are wearing this uh, samurai styled body armor. Mm-hmm. It's really clever little bits like that it's that fun, are really yeah. fun. The, the, the President Al Gore, Gore. Yeah, 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 like those little things are like cheeky and fun and silly, um, and that's all good. I think that first act's really strong, uh, and then we get to the second act, and it just I don't know. I I, I really just wanted more really cool. The fight sequence there, the beginning, that hit, the bodies at the floor drop is a lot of fun. High energy, really cool special effects with the slow-mo and the fights and wire work that's going on. Uh, he kicks a corpse into people. It's cool. Like There's just some fun and high impact moves. And then it just becomes a car chase movie for about 45 minutes. Which would be cool if the car chases were cool. Yeah. And then we... and, and the the one where they're chasing on foot's kind of fun. Yeah. But the guy's like, he's going 50. Like, what's that thing doing, buddy? 40? It is pretty fun. But, uh, you know, so there are a couple, but then it's like just more car chases. Hmm. And that pursuit thing really kills the momentum and the fun, I think, of what I was hoping this would be. When you're promising multiple Jet Lees, I'm wanting uh, a, a lot of high octane, uh, I think, action sequences, martial arts stuff. Uh, and, and when we get it, it's good. Uh, and I think the third act's okay. Uh, I, I, the little showdown at the end is fun. Um, and then the weird Mortal Kombat multi-dimension sequence that takes place kind of at the end is a, is yeah. a bit. Uh, but yeah, I it's it's okay. It, it is what it is. It's very much a 2001 trademark uh, movie mm-hmm. uh, in every <laughs> way. I love the kind of sets they're on. I like that stuff. I like the world building that's at work. I just wanted more Jet Li doing cool Jet Li stuff. You brought in Jet Li. Let him let him fight. Yeah. I want to see some of the other fights. Like I get it. Let the man cook. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So uh, that's where I'm at with it. It is a mild okay. Very good. Very good. Um, do you have more to say than a mild okay for the one, Dalton? Ooh, I don't think so. But it's pretty... <laughs> it, it's fun. It's it is a fun time. I can't deny that. Also, was Statham supposed to have or not have his accent? Because I couldn't tell. I think he was supposed he couldn't to either. I think he was supposed to not have it. And yes, I also think he couldn't tell. He's from the multiverse. <laughs> there's the Fair. moment there's the conversation in the car with Delroy first, but mm. then when he's like being hung over that banister, he's like trying to do this like weird Southern thing. He's like, all over coarse. the place. Yeah, it's yeah, wild. It's nuts. Uh, I, I'm gonna say a couple of names. Popper Roach. Yes. Drowning Pool. Yes. Disturbed. It is new metal. 2001 up in this motherfucker. And it, <laughs> uh, if the soundtrack wasn't enough to tell you that, then the, uh, the the spark the sparks factory in the third act is enough to, to let you know. It is a sparks factory. They manufacture sparks there. I, I've said... It's like Goldberg coming out for his interest in WCW. <laughs> I've said for years on this show that the 90s were basically the same as the 50s in terms of American cinema. And I'm starting to feel that way about the aughts in the, in the uh, 80s a little bit. Uh, this, this, there's just an energy to early aughts movies that is undeniable. We talked about this a little bit when we talked about, uh, Dustin's beloved Dracula 2000. I feel like we, mm, we just dis- yeah, discussed buddy. this a little bit. There's just, yeah. Uh, vape cinema. It, it is <laughs> it's just, I think, I think that's, uh, Eric King who came up with vape cinema. I think that's who, mm-hmm. who gets the credit on that one. But yeah, this movie is definitely in that, that pocket. Uh, I'm with Arthur. I think the world building's fun. Uh, I love, again, we get the, the opening to let us know we're in an alternate universe. There's a George uh, or a Al, President Al Gore. But then even when we get to, quote unquote, the movie's main universe, uh, George Bush is signing in universal health care. Right. Which is so funny. Still not our world. No, quite. definitely not our world. Uh, definitely a different place. In which Jet Li's an actor. Yeah. Wait. No, in which Jet Li's a sheriff. No, in our world, Jet Li's an actor. Well, in that world, no, oh yeah, but in that world, Jet Li's a sheriff. That's oh. what I'm talking. In the world where Jet Li's a sheriff, George Bush George may there Bush be universal, universal health care. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, just, which, which, which node, which bubble of this bubble universe, right? Multiverse are we in? Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, there's, there's fun stuff here. You've got Jason Statham with hair. You've got Delroy Lindo. Come on, the king, Delroy, who uh, shows up, uh, gets to do some multiverse acting himself in a pretty fun uh, mm-hmm. bit later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is a good time. It's got 
you know, uh, sort of sci-fi buddy cop shtick going on while it's also got this, you know, man against himself, light versus dark, uh, who will win out. It's, you know, it's two and a half fun movies playing around and then they make one pretty okay movie. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly right there with Arthur. I, this, I remembered this movie. Uh, I, I saw this when it came out. Uh, I was very excited. Uh, 11 year old me was all hyped up about this movie. Thought it was cool as hell. And uh, I gotta say, you know, it holds up pretty well. It's it's a very solid action film. Uh, it's definitely a film of an era, but as far as these sort of films we're examining this this month, uh, you know, these uh, Asian stars coming over and trying to break out in Hollywood, this is definitely, as Arthur said, if we're going to compare it just to Replacement Killers, which is a very similar experiment... I think this is a lot more successful and it mm-hmm. helps that Jet Li's been working in American films a little bit longer. You know, his English is a little bit stronger so they're able to just give him more lines. Um, so it's, it's working at a much higher level than that, which is interesting because yeah, as Dustin said, James Wong, our director here is mostly TV guy. Doesn't really have like a, a lengthy film career to compare to like with last week where we've got Fuqua goes on to have this pretty interesting career. It, it's interesting that this, this film from a, a filmmaker with like less oeuvre to look at does have the more successful film as far as this, this same, you know, kind of contemporaries as far as era goes. Um, I'm interested in it. It's fun. What, what about you, Dustin? Did you have a good time? I did have a good time. I don't think the problem with Fuqua's movie was direction ever. I think the problem with Fuqua was screenplay. Yeah, sure. And I think this is a better screenplay. And as we were saying a little bit um, as we were beginning in our banter, it's adapted perfectly for Jet Li. And uh, the way in which, J- I mean, Jet Li is a good villain. That's the thing. He is as good he's, a villain as he is a hero. You can tell he's having a lot of fun being yeah, the bad guy. And, yeah. and I think that's that's part of what really makes it work. And I think part of why Dwayne The Rock Johnson would have worked in a different kind of movie doing the same kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I think. Because I think he can, he can play a Scorpion King. He won't do it anymore, but he was good at it for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's good as a heel. And he's also good as a good guy, obviously. And then he, he's definitely been parlaying those skills very, very well. Um, this movie could use a lot less Statham and a lot more Delroy Lindo. I'd say that's fair. I would say that. Especially um, this early in Statham's career, he's not really comfortable. And the accent stuff is terrible. It is really yeah, it's bad. It's rough. Um, and I think it is the movie that is able to hit its time. So think about uh, just... I'm thinking about how dated the movie is. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Drowning Pool and, and, and Papa Roach and, you know, System of the Down and whoever else, although... I would, System of the Down would have been a fun addition to this soundtrack. But disturbed, it, disturbed. I think. It's, oh, it's, yeah, I got Papa Roach. You know, it could have been a corn... You know, it could, new metal guys, right? Yeah. And, and so there is a kind of movie that is so much of its moment that makes it kind of perfect, but also... Gives it a shelf life. That's that a really make, good way to put it. If yeah. that makes sense. And uh, not to say that it doesn't hold up, but you're like, oh, I am in a 2001 movie. I am living in 2001 world. Timeless, not a word that comes to mind. No, not at all. And that's, I, I don't think it's necessarily a flaw because I don't think this movie is seeking to be the movie that will survive the test of time. It's not, it's not looking to be an action cinema classic. It's not, it's not a Terrence Malick movie. It's not a Steven Spielberg movie. It's not, it's not even, uh, a Wachowski siblings film working on the matrix kind of thing. It, it's, it's a movie that says I want to make a movie that is going to do well for a month in the box office. That is going to be a, a good a fun time in the cinemas and have a life on home video thereafter. And for fans to come back and perhaps develop something of a cult following perhaps, but you know, that's just a hope and a dream. But I'm going to do a very well-made action film. And in that case, this movie entirely succeeds for exactly what it is. And it's one of those things where when we think about film criticism and judging a film, you have to judge it for what it is, not for what it isn't. You know, yeah, sure. I would love it to be a lot more, you know, you know, we Esther call or a lot more Hitchcock or, you know, and other directors that I really love, but it's not those things. And it's not trying to be those things. It's trying to be this kind of thing. And it's doing exactly what it wants to do. Very, very well. Again, more Del Roy Lindo, please. But otherwise, yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, Your mileage is definitely going to vary a lot on whether or not like the time capsuleness of this works for you. Right. Right. Like the, 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 the fact that it is very much, tied to the trends of its era Mm -hmm. it says a lot about like what the film the final product is and in that case 
I like it a lot. Yeah, I'm sure you do. For exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I was a 21-year-old man, and so this was, yeah, this is the kind of thing I liked to watch. And I liked watching it then, and I still like watching it now. And I still think when that body's hit the floor, Needle Drop happens. That's a stupid, stupid song, as Dalton said last week. It is a st- incredibly stupid song. And... Man, I tell you what, my appreciation of that bit of musical sonic theater totally works when we have slow motion bodies flying around with gently moving at such speed that he can throw a body in the air, use it as a weapon, get to the other side of it, use it again as a weapon, and then throw it to the ground. Man, yeah, I'm there for it. Bullet time, corpse throwing, I'm I'm there. The editing in that sequence looked as good if not better than any of the Quicksilver scenes from the X-Men films. It looks incredible. Yeah. It really does. The the sort of and even later in the film, uh, when there's the sort of the climactic fight that's happening faster than the sparks can fall, mm-hmm. that stuff works really well <laughs> too. Love it. Yeah, I I'm right there with you, Arthur. I like the, the, a lot of meal was made about how cool the Quicksilver scene is in that one uh, X Men movie. They then proceeded to do it three more times. And again, that bit like is never as cool as I think this Jet Li bit is. Yeah, it, yeah. it works extremely well with much less sophisticated special effects. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. So I like it a bunch. So there you go, dear listener. We've got some cool OKs and some yay, but I know what I'm doing here. It's, uh, it's guilty pleasure kind of territory, I think, for me a little bit there. Um, knowing it's not quality, but I don't care is what I'm saying with my yays. Yeah, no, it knows what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. So there you go. Those are our thoughts. We're going to move on to the next part of our show, which is called Expand the Syllabus. And Dalton is going to delight us by telling us what's happening, because I don't even know what to do now. What do I do? This is the part where we talk about a movie you never discussed in a film studies course. Oh, like the podcast. Yeah. Okay. This is the show. Now is the promise being delivered. Uh, We're going to talk about the one, and we're going to say, here's how you would talk about this movie in a academic type setting. Is that Uh, okay? We're going to say it is. (laughs) We're we're gonna make the case that you absolutely should and could talk about this at a at the collegiate level. Uh, why not? Why not write a film paper about <laughs> Jet Li's The One? Why not make the movie? Why not do it in class? I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly. So that that's that's the thought experiment. The three of us have all assembled academic courses that use the one in the syllabus and we'll, we'll share some other books or movies or other media that are, are related to this and, and we think would pair well with it in a in an academic setting well do you have a syllabus with which to delight us i do i do i this is so obviously a doppelgangers and doubles movie i mean it's just like so much about that kind of thing right and i think that there's just it's just such rich territory i love that trope i know we talked about it a lot when we did uh we've talked dead ringers on this show before we've talked neville news in enemy uh both films that i think are really great entries in the the doubles and doppelgangers genre and i think both films that would be discussed in this class Uh, i also really like the indie sci-fi thriller coherence from like the early to mid 2010s uh it's about a dinner party uh that happens during a a bleeding effect, uh, a multiverse bleed over. Uh, so very interesting dinner party movie, uh, kind of using the trappings of uh, the bottle movie. I don't think also... I've seen it. I was, you trying, check I was it trying really hard to think, and I don't think yeah, I have. I think it's on, it was on Amazon for a long time. It's bounced around streaming services for the last 10 years Is it, or is it so. like an eyeball with a, like a pointy thing pointing at it no, in the poster? No, no. Coherence has got like a sort of color gradient thing going on on its poster. With there's a couple of different posters, okay. uh, but I, again, I I really recommend this movie very strongly. Uh, I think it's great, and it really has fun with the idea of doubles. As far as like, what do you do if you know you have a double out there? Kill what him. what is exactly how at what point do you have to assume they're going to try to kill you if you don't try to kill them? Uh, so it has a lot of fun with that. I also learned there's just straight up a Drew Barrymore movie called Doppelganger from 93. I don't know if you guys know about this one. (laughs) It sounds nuts. It sounds kind of bug nuts and a little bad, but I'm very interested in it. Does she talk out the other corner of her mouth? Very funny. That's cute. I see what you did there. Sorry. Uh, it's rude. Uh, (laughs) we'll also look at the Jesse Eisenberg's The Double, a contemporary of Denis Villeneuve's Enemy. I don't know. I haven't seen this movie, but I know people like it and it, it kind of got lost in the the shuffle as far as enemy and it coming out around the same time. Uh, of course our beloved face off, got to talk about it. Uh, Mulholland drive. Dustin's one of Dustin's very favorites. Got to talk about it. Us, uh, low key, the best Jordan Peele movie. I said it. 
I said it. Uh, okay. I'll say it again. Okay. Low-key the mm-hmm. best Jordan Peele okay. movie. Uh, That's all right. I know. I'm on an island with this one. I think you are. But I think it's a great doppelgangers movie and uh, kind of gets at a lot of the subtext of these sorts of doubles movies. It gets at the subtext in sort of a really, really interesting way. Uh, one, I think, uh, two, I guess, that are beloved by both Arthur and I, uh, one specifically by Arthur, one specifically by me, but these are kind of different doppelganger movies. This is Black Swan and Fight Club are sort of the two I'm thinking like of. Definitely kind of a different take on the idea of a double, but both dealing with, with this theme. And uh, I think maybe the last one that I want to give a shout out to, other than, of course, Vertigo I have on this list. Yeah, Why not? Because obviously. But uh, Doug, Doug Jones, Moon. I like that movie. Yeah. yeah. I, Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. Thank you. Doug, Doug Jones, Jones is the, <laughs> yeah, Doug Jones is the fish man. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to picture yeah. that. Is he dressed as the moon? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> he plays the man in the moon. We need Duncan Jones back. Uh, you know, we none of us liked that movie Mute. Uh, just, I mean, Source Code was middlingly recepted. I think it was kind of cool though. It's not it's as good as Moon. Still in the cellophane. I think I've reported that before on the show that I've owned that movie in the cellophane. It remains in the cellophane. It's cool. Warcraft flopped. Yeah, and then Mute flopped. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, it's Netflix, so it's hard to I say. He's got something else I, coming out. I don't say it's. Flop. Yeah, if Netflix isn't telling you it's the most watched thing they've it's, ever it's had, if yeah. they've buried it mm-hmm. in the algorithm, exactly. So I, you know, let's get Duncan Jones back. Did I he think, work on the documentary at all? Oh, uh, the, the, the his dad movie. Yeah. No, I think he gets a thank you credit, gotcha. but I don't know that he's like a producer on it or anything. Also, what's up with Wikipedia? They've like re. They've done a redesign. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it's yeah, weird. N- nothing on the horizon. Nothing on the horizon. Well, we miss you, Duncan Jones, and I think your movie Moon is a very sad doppelgangers movie. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes a different look at. I mean, these are usually thrillers of some kind, because much like the one, so many of these stories are wrapped up in the idea of like sort of this this push and pull between like humanity's innate darkness and humanity's innate goodness and I, I, that is sort of like the crux of a lot of these doppelganger stories and moon sort of asks different questions about the idea of doubles like how can you exploit somebody if you can make more of them mm-hmm. is sort of the, the interesting question being asked in moon uh, but i think all of these movies are are going to give us good fodder uh i think this is probably uh, i want to talk about the doppelgangers that are margot robbie and uh samar weaving Weaving. yeah that's a good one (laughs) that's a good scene to just show yeah yeah that 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 shtick with him in babylon is really funny um yeah i i I think uh we talked a little bit about doppelganger stuff when we did dead ringers a couple years ago now Mm -hmm. uh but i i don't know these stories are are really interesting and i think in in a film studies course or you know if you wanted to expand to literature and just kind of do a a storytelling type class in general you just make it an english studies class if you wanted to bring in some some novels and stuff but however you want to tackle this it's it's going to open up the class to have some interesting conversations as far as like what is what is the human nature? And those are always fun conversations to have because you eventually get to say there isn't one. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what's fun about these kinds of stories is we get to ask those sorts of questions. There's a doppelganger subplot going on in season two of Flight Attendant. Oh, that's I've fun. I've been racking my head because there was something else I'd watched recently where there was doppelganger stuff happening. I couldn't remember. I hear that show's good. First season's a lot of fun. We started the second season, but we haven't finished it. I like it, though. Arthur, what about you? How would you teach the one? Well, I think we'd talk about the art of the soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> the do's and don'ts. <laughs> yeah, the do's and don'ts. Uh, do sync up uh, a fun action uh, sequence to a fun song. Yeah, I think the bodies bit works really well. Yeah, it does. I think every other needle drop is terrible. If it, uh, it, yeah, if, if it was down the, with the sickness I'm is the worst. So with you, yeah. If it was, if bodies was like the only early aughts new metal needle drop, I think I think you could get away with one, and it wouldn't like reek of a two thousand and one movie. I don't even mind that. I think the issue comes in with. They use two songs from the same band because mm-hmm. they do bodies. Then they do down with the sickness. Then they do center, which is another uh, drowning pool song. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's right. So it's like, and then they've only got like five needle drops or six needle drops total. So it's like a weird, yeah. What's the purpose of this? Like, is this just what you could license that sounds cool? Especially the one where he's like driving around. Yeah. And he like Listening finds Sinner on the radio. Yeah, and he's like, Drowning Pool Sinner is the one thing in this universe you've latched on to. <laughs> that's how that you. says more about your universe than ours. That's how you know you Law's a bad guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Clearly a villain. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, one do is, uh, or one don't is don't uh, rehash the same band unless 
the the breadth of the purpose is there. It feels like such a weird uh, pool. It also seems like a weird pool that if I didn't know these bands already, I probably wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Correct. And that's a, a thing as well. That's the um, thing about new metal. Yeah. Uh, some of it's fun. Some of it's okay. Uh, I still like POD. Yeah. Well, we've all got sins and flaws. I, know, and... I do have a flaw there. Hey, uh, our, s- Oklahoma City's beloved chat pile uses some corn new metal tuning on the bass. That's fun. So, yeah, there you go. I think uh, we would look at uh, kind of similar along the same line because of similar sins. Uh, we'd probably look at Daredevil, uh, which also has this uh, early aughts soundtrack thing going on, uh, most notably doing a superhero training montage to Evanescence, Bring Me to Life, <laughs> um, between Electra and the Daredevil as they are wake, gearing up to fight. Wake me up inside. I, that's what that's, that's what uh, training does, right? Yep. Uh, and then we would uh, fast forward uh, to look at Captain Marvel from 2017, 18? Yeah. Um, 18. Don't let your soundtrack be pandering. Um Marvel had two really big successes, and we'd probably take a look at both Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther, um, one which incorporated their soundtrack into their film with Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and, and a little bit with Black Panther, but that was more of a just thing they did. Companion album. Yeah, companion album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, some there's of those tracks, tracks drop in there, but yeah. uh, by and large, uh, I think those both really work. Uh, James Gunn, I think, really understands how to incorporate, incorporate a soundtrack. He's got some well-known classics and he's got a few deeper cuts as well uh in that one um but they all use are used to sort of move the emotion along move the narrative along move the developments along uh, he does this again uh, a little more on the nose in part two when he uses brandy uh and kind of correlates that song's narrative with what ego has done uh, but i think james gunn does a really good job of using soundtrack uh, within the narrative for a purpose captain marvel felt like it was a nostalgia thing. Not only is it it's set in the 90s, but also, hey, there's a Radio Shack. Hey, there's this Blockbuster. No Doubt song or whatever. Like, yeah, that, that Come like, As You Are drop is the, is the one that's really especially offensive. Yeah, it's just, yeah. just they're dropping it because it was a thing at the time. you know. And I think that doesn't really bode well for your movie. I think also understanding the tone. Uh, and on paper, and uh, in, in the graphic novel, it may work, but I don't know that putting hallelujah over the sex scene in the watchman oh that's that's <laughs> oh my not, works not, as well as you would hope it would not from the graphic novel that is all is it not that's i don't know if it's 100 in there oh that's snyder baby that's, yeah that's all that snyder. is uh, my man does not do subtext <laughs> on, the, on the paper that may work on film it does not come across as well as you would it hope. does not work uh, it is just yeah. a tonal disconnect um, I think a couple of others we'd look at. I, Forrest Gump, I think, has a great soundtrack. Uh, you can use your soundtrack to denote mm-hmm. passage of time uh, by using different hits from different decades or years. Uh, is a clever way of kind of keeping your timeline straight without having to drop uh, exposition in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Big Chill uh, also has a really good soundtrack, uh, and it just kind of goes along with the theme of the movie in that it's just a bunch of, of bops that are fun to listen to with your friends. It's a great soundtrack in that regard. Uh, and we'd also look at Remember the Titans, uh, which I think kind of mm-hmm. like Guardians of the Galaxy Goodbye. uses some of that yeah. no to, yeah, to yeah. move dialectically and non-dialectically. Or, that's not diegetic. Word. Diegetically, yeah, yeah. non-diagetically through I think the it's narrative. Dialectical as well. I, by accident, you're <laughs> correct. I think, but yes, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we would just kind of look at the do's and don'ts of a good movie soundtrack and see how it can be effective, when it can be effective, when a good idea goes bad, mm. and when bad ideas go good. I thought you were going to mention the Crow soundtrack uh, as one of those. If I was more familiar, maybe effective uses, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, because it really does try to achieve that aesthetic, you know, yeah. as much as I think that yeah, matching the aesthetic of your movies, yeah, which I mean. To the one's credit, I, I think it, you're, it does not, you're match not wrong. The aesthetic is just it's not a great aesthetic. It's I think not the a, only thing because they didn't even release that soundtrack, so they just <gasps> licensed a handful of songs for the one. From that's what just, I understand, that's interesting. So I, I, I wonder if it was just Drowning Pool's cheap. Let's get two of theirs. I I think it was yeah. Some these songs are all pop crossover hits right now. I I really because even it was down that with simple. the sickness is weird because it's just an edit. You get that oh ah, 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 thing yeah. and then it just. 
yeah does a weird remix kind of version of it without Which, word they loved that me, in movies but... for a little bit you know there's that there's the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead <laughs> oh, uh, uh, I'm uh, uh, yeah uh. the the Richard Cheese version I'm sure I'm forgetting another movie I'm that sure. used it yeah but I, yeah I think it was just that is what was on the radio in 2001 and people liked it and so let's put it in the action movie because that's <laughs> this is what rock and roll sounds like right now what a time to be alive if Fuck. genres were if movie genres were were Music genres is the is the game we play some kind of a little bit there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an interesting game. Yeah, we can get back to that later. Yeah, we'll, but, we'll revisit mm, this topic. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a, that, well, if we ever bring back the game. Yes, <laughs> well, we might just do game for business time. But I want to do my syllabus first, which is going to be very very short. Um, I think I would use this film in a class on cinematic poetics or cinematic style and aesthetics. And talk about sort of cycles of style. And of course, you could begin with a sort of introduction of film noir, right? Which is interesting as a cyclical kind of style, which lasts for quite a long time from 1941, 40-ish, to uh, 1958, 59-ish, depending on who you're reading and how you're going about it. And just, again, why that style speaks to that particular moment and why it really works. And so you could move from that to, you know, the uh, the cinemascope style of the 50s and landscape and how that uh, westerns and uh, sword and sandal, biblical epics, and, uh, and you know, a lot of adventure films kind of had that similar kind of aesthetic that was at work there. I talk about the 80s, um, back to uh, sword and sandal kind of magic, uh, fantasy, low-budget aesthetics I think would be an interesting uh, component to this and this would be the aesthetics in the five years following The Matrix because I think without The Matrix you don't have the one so we look no. at The Matrix the first film we look at the one and then uh, for another pick to just to show another way in which that same aesthetic is achieved but in a different kind of tropey kind of thing uh, looking at the Underworld films at least the first one for sure and just thinking about how there is an action aesthetic there is a color palette aesthetic and there is a sonic aesthetic with the music and how again that is a thing that rides for a while we'd move forward i probably would talk about the found footage aesthetic which is not blair witch it's more paranormal activity and how paranormal activity quarantine wreck those movies kind of do the same kind of stuff there mm-hmm. and how that aesthetic really holds sway. i mean your cloverfields that also uh work for that as well and uh what's their superhero movie again Chronicle. Chronicle. I was like, give me a one. What's the name of it again? But so you might do some things with that, and just again, just it'd be fun to have a class that was doing these sort of like aesthetic cycles because it is kind of a poetics of the technology, and it's also a particular kind of look that these films are really trying to have. What's delineating Blair Witch from, say, Chronicle or uh, Cloverfield, which are both shot with? In that kind of, I think the difference in Blair Witch is because they are seeking to make a semi-professional film to start with, and so that sixteen millimeter black and white okay. component, so it's a formal, I, it is a formal element. I think it's a formal element that that does something a little bit different okay. than you would see um, later on. It, it really is consumer model stuff yeah. that they just happen to have cameras with them, yeah. and so the poetics again of uh, the conceit of how they're filming this is that we we're, we just we have our cameras in our pockets or I bought a big camera because weird things started happening in my house. And so it, it, it's a different thing than we're going out to make this documentary, and while we're making this documentary, something surprising happens, which is where Cannibal Holocaust would go as well. What about End of Watch, where we do have the body cam thing? Oh, you know, I haven't seen End of Watch in a long time. I think that would be, it'd be a poetics of probably more of a, uh, I think, Police stories like that would be a module unto itself. I would think that there'd be other films that we could come up with that do that kind of thing. Interestingly well, enough, though, he is making it for a film class, if I remember right. And that, like, the whole conceit of End of Watch is he's filming oh, maybe. Shift because he's taking, like, a college class on maybe. Uh, where he has to make a movie. Maybe. I think I remember that being being part of the conceit. That seems... That seems Seems yeah. like it might. I, I feel like that being so part long. of my. I know we did that movie on the show. I think, I think a we long did. time ago. Yeah, yeah. it's been yeah eight years or more. Probably. I think I saw it for the first time then and haven't seen it since. Same. So, um, yeah, that's that's a real po- Michael Pena, right? Yeah, Michael Pena. Yeah, yeah. And Jill and Hall. Jill and Hall. I forgot about Jill and Hall. Yeah. Okay, I raise you one Jill and Hall and want to see that movie now. Uh, but there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer. I believe now's the time we get down to business. Yes, business. And 
course, the first question of business has to be, if movies are genres of music, what would they be, Arthur? <laughs> I am so intrigued by this. Go. Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. I, I, I mean, the... This movie does all the work for you. It's a new metal movie. It's a new metal. Yeah. This is a new metal movie. So yeah, okay. what is a grunge movie? I mean, Singles is the grunge movie, but... Uh, the Crow. The Crow. It's a grunge movie. Uh, it's a grunge. I mean, there's not a lot of grunge on that. The Joy Division. Yeah, okay, I guess it's a goth movie. It's You're right. I mean, that's yeah. like we're really splitting hairs between like punk, goth, well, grunge. Like, well, that's the really... thing about the, all the subgenres of music. Music are really, yeah. really granular in mm. ways that movie genres are less so, right? Yeah, there's, yeah, big time. I mean, music genres get super specific and like kind of cordoned off from each other. Yeah, I like, don't know what a doom metal movie would be. Yeah, again, there's there's a metal alone. House is, of the devil. Yeah, house well, of the devil. Although, maybe. here's the thing that's interesting. I guess if you just say that okay, metal and horror go hand in hand, I think that actually works because horror is such a diffuse and different genre. And same metal is the same the, way. The Vich, by the way, is a doom metal movie. Okay, go, yeah, but go on. I, but again, this this is I guess where where my as far as I can get on any kind of theory mm-hmm. is uh, like because you're talking about two genres that have you have to boil out the essence of each. Yeah, they're bottomless as far as the sh- subgenres go, yeah. right? And and so like to t- just get an essence going, you can say, all right, well these two are kind of working at the same thing. Uh, although not all metal music is a horror movie because this is a new metal movie it just is i I don't make the rules they put it all in the movie and it's i don't know it's got a multiverse shtick it's got fight scenes it's about a guy trying to kill himself uh that feels like a new metal movie Mm -hmm. i don't know what to to tell you i don't know how academic we're gonna get with this we are just sort of spitballing this thing like g-funk like that particular 90s brand of hip-hop like that's gonna be your singleton films and and you know those particular kinds of uh, inner city uh, crime films, yeah, would lend themselves. Your menace to, to societies, yeah. Your juice, boys in the hood, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then your big, I mean, you have the kind of dirty South stuff with uh, Michael Bay and those Will Smith films of mm-hmm. you know Bad Boys Two and things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, but I also feel like you get something like, I mean, again, this is a a musical movie, but Hustle and Flow is definitely like about. Dirty South hip hop, so yeah. like that's, but that kind of gets into a different thing because then you know, Elvis is Boz Lerman's Elvis is a rock and roll hip hop thing. Yeah, 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 well, but also, yeah, I forgot. I guess I forgot about that. They and do. So is his the anachronisms. Uh, well, I guess it's not Dirty South, but it is a hip hop movie. Is Gatsby? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, using hip hop as as jazz, like Jay-Z, like yeah, New yeah. York style. Yeah, interesting. I mean, so, this, so your Wes Anderson films are you know Iron and Wine, they're folk and, music, yeah, folk music, folk music, folk. and early aughts indie music, Mumford yeah. and Sons, yeah. and yeah, yeah, Mumford, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to say, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Snow monkeys are out there with Lars and the real girl. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Arctic monkeys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they are snow monkeys if they're from the Arctic. They're a little warmer, but. <laughs> Arctic monkeys feels more like a. Uh, Penguin monkeys. <laughs> like a Danny Boyle movie to me. You know? <laughs> this is a dumb bit, but I'm glad that we're spending so much time on it. Because yeah, it's interesting just, to think about. We're avoiding the facts of the truth. <laughs> well, let's let's try to talk about let's let's bring it back to the new metal movie. Let's bring it back oh. to the one. Uh there's some interesting things here. Uh we've already talked about Statham's non-accent. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Statham that's fun is Delroy Lindo being like Hey, I, I know where you come from. Not everybody here is a combatant, which is just fun world. I know we've talked about the, this movie doing good world building. That's just a good nugget to put out there. Like, where, what multiverse does Statham come from? Yeah, right. What some is, gladiator world? The, the, yeah, the Hades universe, perhaps. Yeah, yeah exactly. Is is he from the prison planet or mm-hmm. the prison universe originally? Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? Does procedure work out? That is sort of a, a central question, right? Is is you know law enforcement procedure as as pertains to the multiverse? Uh, I guess you know you know it, them splitting up didn't work. Delroy gets killed. Yeah, so it, it is sort of getting him back to, for trial and getting him sent to the Hades universe. That yeah. all sort of works out. And it's also a violation of procedure to send Jet Li, the good Jet Li, to the wrong world. Mm, that's at the true. Wrong time, and so like so because becomes, he doesn't have a passport. Yeah, yeah. It becomes about Statham like following the rules when it's the right thing to do, but also like disobeying the rules when the rules are wrong. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what's what Statham's arc Letter is. Letter of the law versus spirit of the law yeah. kind of thing. Is, is that what his arc is? Because Delroy definitely like does end up being like, all right, well, this is fine. Like, we do have to split up and like, this is the way we're going to, we are going to have to break the rules on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe that is, that is the, the there, there. Uh, I don't know if this, 
I don't think this counts as copaganda. It's too silly. No, I don't think it can. It, yeah. it just the, the the multiverse aspect of it does sort of immediately do some some stuff there. Uh, this uh, this walked so Loki and the Time Variant Authority could run. Right? Yeah. This movie's so interesting to watch in a post like Phase Four of the MCU universe. Yeah. Uh, especially I, I where you know in 2022 like. The, the the joke was that the, the good multiverse movie was not the the one that had it in the title, yes. right? It was not the Marvel movie that was yeah. like, this is where we're going to talk about our new thing. It was the family drama, yeah. the, the existential comedy. The cheap existential comedy yeah. drama, yeah. With one set and five actors. Exactly, yeah. So it's interesting to go back 20 years and, and like see how this was being opted. Like, it's still such a new sci-fi concept that you have to like if you're trying to make a four quadrant action movie, a PG 13, you want people to come out on Friday night. You have to explain the concept of the multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you say now, that, but Stephen King's writing about this in 84 in it. Uh huh. And I, my, again, we'll go back to what I just said, which was if you want a broad four quadrant movie, <laughs> yeah. not a fucking nerd thing. I'm sorry. If you're yeah. reading and Stephen King's like, book outside in the 80s, of Star Trek, were there any multiversal yeah, stories? Yeah. doing it. Sliders? Uh, Sliders, yeah. Quantum Leap, I guess. Quantum, yeah. well, Quantum Leap's our world, though. Oh, into... he's just time traveling. Yeah, he's yeah. just time traveling. Okay. I mean, Sliders was that, right? Alternate dimensions, right, alternate yeah, earths. There's like a Civil War world or no John penicillin Rice world. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess Star Trek, Mir- but again. Yeah, Mir- Gimli Mir- has to reinvent penicillin. Yeah. yeah. You know, then they, there's Mirror Mirror World and, and uh, Star Trek, but again, ner- yeah. nerd shit. Yeah. Like, nerds know about multiverses, but like the guys who are coming because Drowning Pool's on the soundtrack might not have the you know been Might be a little more that. meat-headed than that this was a pre not uh, that there aren't nerdy metal guys of course there are there, there are. are plenty there's a this is the pre uh mcu nerdom right right it's totally, yeah uh, yeah it's a it, different era it's just interesting like what has to be explained then versus now yeah, yeah it's it's sort of funny uh the, the rules are not too much of an issue here though it is just sort of highlander rules one of them dies you get stronger right that's it there can be only one yeah right there has to be balance yeah right yeah the, how better how much better is this movie with a queen soundtrack hmm. oh man that'd be cool well you know how i feel about highlander a movie that i know you guys don't like as much as i do i, I like highlander highlander's <laughs> the heights of 80 cinema it's it i don't know about the height but it's pretty good uh, <laughs> okay well upper echelon i, I, I like highlander a lot I, we do not support the views of everybody at the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah retweets don't equal endorsements on the show uh, opinions are my own um all right uh i don't really have a lot of analytical handles wow we just with this just film spinning our wheels um, here in the well, multiverse i mean we could talk about how Carlo Gugino got... I always forget how to... I don't know how to say her last name. Gugino? Gugino? Is right. it just That's that? Sure. Yeah. I. It's a, it's an Italian name. Gugino. I don't usually get that much Gugino. pause. It's kind of unceremoniously sort of taken out. So, totally fridged. Right, and, yeah. And his reward for stopping Law from becoming the god of the multiverse is like, now you can go to a universe where you're not and already married to your wife. Attempt to try again. Yes. Yeah. Good luck to you. Good luck. Hope it works out. Yeah, Carlo Gugino is just sort of a, a tool of the screenplay. By the way, you're going to ask her out for pizza and in this universe pizza is poison and you've you know gonna get accused of murder and it's well in, in the universe where you lies okay and this is confusing is you law from the multiverse authority universe because he's about to be like sent to prison by the multiverse cops is it explained that who formed the mvbi never explained presumably the first the multiver- architect for <laughs> ergo <laughs> Kang? <laughs> Kang. Arthur and I are having a real discussion about multiverses, Dustin. And if you're not going to cooperate, don't don't bring your sass to our real party. We know Eulaw was an agent yes. who, in his escapades, killed a variant of uh-huh. himself. But we don't know. Did it explain the formation of? It just said they needed something to police yeah. it, right? Well, like it's like. In Loki rules, they're like in a pocket universe that like is separate from all universes, yes. right? This definitely seems to be part of a normal universe because Yula's partner is invited to watch him be sent to the prison planet. Yes. Also, his partner is Carlo Gugino in that universe. Camera loves her in a kind of a gross way. Yes. Rat bomb in the high heel, though. Genius. That's very cool. fun. So funny. There's Such some, a good bit. Yeah. There's good bits in this movie. Yeah. But anyway... It, 
presumably this takes place in like a normal universe where people live and go about their daily lives because they have like an audience for his sentencing. Yeah. So is that Earth 616? Is that the original? Is that Earth Prime? I, I where the multiverse If you discover, begins? well, that's, this is an interesting question. If you discover Dal- the multiverse. Dal- <laughs> rolling up his sleeves. He's five minutes away from putting note cards and yarn on my wall. It's about to get crazy. We're about to start talking about that, uh, that J.K. Simmons TV show where he played two guys. You guys know about this one? No. Nope. Oh, there's a, JK, there's a J.K. Simmons multiverse show that was on stars i think it's on mm. it's on prime i can't think of the name of it right now but it's great i'm looking at that uh-huh you should uh but anyway jk's simmons yeah, is J- mm-hmm. jay's case jay's case yeah jay there are, it's, it is in fact a jay's case uh you guys are unhinged but one i think i think the universe is there or like talk about this movie for 20 minutes and see what happens <laughs> I, I think in that show the universes are prime and alpha which i think mm. is fun as, as sort of ways to be like well they're both their own first universe. But anyway, if you discover the multiverse, does that immediately make your universe the prime multiverse? Do you win? Did you win the war? I think that's how you win. Yeah. You yeah. make the discovery. You yeah. plant your flag. You have to be the first to get there. So yes. if you found the other one, then you're first, they're second. We're Earth Prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then you can easily other the old other multiverses for your opinion Correct. war. Right. Yeah. Exploit them. Do multiverse rules does. work the same as time travel rules? If I, if I, if I alter something in a multiversal world, it affects, or is there just like, oh my, the like, only is there like, a, like I get a stomach the, ache when my variant gets killed? The only effect that it has is if you kill your variant, you absorb their power. And the other I'm variants get stronger. The, all the other variants all get stronger. Of you, all it's of not you, Highlander it's, rules. Yeah, you don't have to be there for the It's dispersed beheading. across the multiverse. Exactly. So but I presumably dilution, you get more... If your eyesight just starts getting better, it's because one of your multiverse others is killing some of you. Let's talk about Jet Li. What's he doing in America at this point? He's he's, he's already, come over. He's been the bad guy in Lethal Weapon 4. Okay. He's is that, done that. That's his debut, right? You mm-hmm. mentioned that a couple weeks ago. Yep. Or last week. I think that's his debut. That's it, right? Well, it, it, he's got a, got a Green Hornet movie. That's in, way later. Was it way and later? And he's not in that. He's not. He he was in talks to be in a Green Hornet movie, and he never was. Okay, but he's got. You're thinking of. Um, there's a movie where he wears a mask, and that's a Chinese film. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. The City of Masks, I think, is the sequel. I might just. I can't remember the title of this damn movie. It's going to drive me nuts. But I'm he's looking. He's had Iron Monkey get re released here. No, that's not a Jet Li movie. No, it's not. No, that's fat. But there's one from the 90s that he has get re-released. Black Mask is what you're thinking. Oh, Thank you. And, C- and there's Black Mask 2, City of Masks, I think. Mm. But yeah, he definitely has very much a Kato He does Cradle to the Grave. That's 02, though, That's 03. He does Hero in 02, Kiss of the Dragon in 01. Okay, so Kiss of the Dragon. Romeo Must Die. There we go. Oh, right on, yeah. That's so he's So that's... Those kind of... Those are all pairings, right? Romeo Must Die, he's coming to the States being paired with a rapper turned actor, mm-hmm. right? Lethal Weapon 4, he's supporting, I think, um, Kiss of the Dragon. There's He's paired with a U.S. star on that one, too, right? Isn't it Bridget um, Fonda? Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, Luke Besson, yeah. Produced, yeah. yeah. But he's paired with a U.S. star. So the one is the very first time that he is like the guy on the poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I can't think of a U.S. movie before that where he's the guy and it's fun that him and statham will go you know work together later on as statham becomes a bigger you know career has starts to have a bigger career and gets notable work in the transporter movies like him and uh lee will team back up in war like oh eight yeah yeah which i think is kind of interesting uh to have the the two of them back together when uh statham's a little bit bigger name i think that's fun because you know there was sort of a resurgence for a little bit. Dustin talked about this last week. You know, we talked about sort of the um, globalization of sort of Hong Kong and mainland Chinese action cinema, both, you know, wuxia films and heroic bloodshed films, these mm-hmm. sort of uh, these ideas becoming more mainstream and in, in Western cinema. It, it's interesting that there is this this period in the aughts and 90s where you have sort of the same thing you had in the 70s, where it's like, if you can do a high kick we got an action franchise for you. Mm-hmm. Like for a little bit, it happened again, you know, 
there's this big explosion in the 90s with your Van Dams and your Seagulls and, you know, even late 80s with your Chuck Norrises, right? right. But this early aughts period kind of, there's almost a, a, a rehappening of it with The Matrix and, and Jet Li's crossover. Mm-hmm. It, it does sort of almost happen again, which I think is interesting. It never fully, like, tips over. Scott Atkins doesn't get, like, prime time, you know, multiplex posters. He just gets direct-to-video stuff, right? He gets right. the fifth universal soldier movie so there's not like a full resurgence of this but it's interesting how like it almost happens again like uh there's uh they do an undisputed sequel with um jai courtney not jai courtney uh michael jai white michael jai white I, yeah um just jai was the only thing that could come to mind but mm-hmm. it's it's interesting how like this genre kind of happens again for a second like the 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 martial artist uh vehicle action vehicle yeah. yeah it sort of becomes a genre of movie again it doesn't quite take off but it's interesting how like this cycle kind of happens again like it starts in the 70s with bruce lee and then there's like this kind of variation of it in the 90s and then there's this period which like doesn't quite take off you get more of the i think what you get more of is stuff like jet lee being the bad guy in lethal weapon 4 you start to have a lot of like really talented stunt performers show up as like villains and stuff mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking of like parkour bad guys in that one Punisher movie. That's sort of what I'm thinking right, of. Right. That's yeah. sort of kind of the, the um and then um I mean it even continues into the MCU, right? You get um um that UFC fighter, I can't think of his name, as oh, the Leaper. Yeah. Um Jean uh I yeah. know. I can't think of his name. I, I would have in Civil War, right. But yeah, and then exactly or Winter Civil, Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. he shows up Bat again Rock. in another one. Yeah, yeah, but Batroc the Leaper, yeah, yeah, is the... Why can't I... George St. Pierre? Is that it? No. That sounds right. George St. Pierre is a UFC guy. That's, I think that's him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so you have this happening again where, like, you know, athlete f- fighters will show up as, you know, the third build villain. Mm-hmm. So, it, again, it's it's interesting how, like, the one sort of sets the stage for another variation of, of this sort of attempt by American movies to you know, kind of co-opt a long-standing tradition in Chinese cinema. Because, you know, if you're an actor in China, like, you went to school for it uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of the times. So, you know, the... You learn a lot picking opera stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that's the sort of... It's got a, kind of an interesting crossover the way, like, early Hollywood cinema's got that, like, vaudeville bleed over. Yeah. There is that interesting Peking mm-hmm. opera bleed over. Because uh, didn't... Uh, Jackie Chan, isn't he like a classically trained dancer too? Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's he's what a I thought. Peking opera guy. Him and Sammo Hung both. Yeah, yeah. I, Michelle Yeoh, and she's one of like oh. the Beijing University kids. I want to say that's correct, but I'd have to look to make sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to my ass a little bit. This is yeah, stuff that yeah. I call all kind of half. I want to say that that feels right. Yeah, without confirming. Yeah, what happens after this for Jet Li? Uh, I mean, I mentioned war. You know, he reteams with. He gets he, back to Hong Kong for the most part. Yeah, I, think. I mean, he does the Expendables movies yes. here, but he's kind of undervalued in those. Well, I, I think the big peak in the late night or. Early aughts, two thousand eight was the Forbidden Kingdom, which was the oh, with Jackie, team yeah. up with Jackie Chan, and that which one is kind kid. of a. I remember that being kind of a big event thing, which was probably about ten I, years too late. I was working but, at a movie theater when that came yeah. out. Yeah, I remember. I, I tried to go it. to the Warren to see it, and it was sold out. Yeah, yeah it was doing well, and I uh, wound up seeing ten thousand BC instead. I think Ooh. that's that whole Monkey King during like the did West, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, the Mummy. Yeah, he's the bad guy in that. And then, yeah, he's, I think, Expendables. I think, I think Sorcerer of the White Snake's gotten a lot of play. I haven't seen it yet, but I, that's a movie that's very well known and did well, I think. And he did Flying Chinese Swords of Dragon Gate. I don't know that one. Hmm. League of Gods. That's so, right. yeah, he stops working in the States after the And then he was in Mulan in 2020. That's oh, the last thing he did. That's right. He's all grown up and saving China. He was the emperor of China. Yeah. Interesting. Just an interesting career for him. You know, it's it doesn't become the Bruce Lee thing. that, And that's, you know, they did it with... Um, uh, the Tie Fighter, um, the Ungbach guy. Mm, uh, I can't mm-hmm. think of his name. I, I don't. I but can't yeah, think of his, there's just a handful of of really talented martial artists that in this era, like they really try to get get the machine going around. When does these he guys. do Fist of Legends? Since you've got his thing up there in the that's 90s, 90s right? yeah. I'm just curious as to when that because that's a crossover kind of movie from there 94. Because Fist of Legends is basically a remake of uh, Fist of Fury. Mm, that's right. So, I know about this. That's, so it's so like re recapitulating the Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. So I was curious. Okay. Yeah. Interesting career, Jet. Um, would love to see him working in the States more, but I, I don't think they're giving him good roles. But yeah. Donnie Yen's kind of taken up that space, and there's just not a lot of room right now. Yeah. Donnie Yen's a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. can still move a little bit more. Yeah. That's a good point. Donnie Yen. John Wick 4. 
Oh yeah, that's let's pretty, go. That's pretty let's good go shit. right. Because I mean, if we're not gonna, oh, and Hiroyuki Sonata also in, in John Wick Four. Okay, yeah. When Jet Li to John Wick, when's it gonna happen? Can we get him for five? You think? Can we get five? I I don't think they're gonna kill him. Do yeah. You, do you think? I mean, this series ends when they kill Keanu Reeves, right? When he finally is put down. Yeah. And then, and then John Wick becomes an office, and we have the next. Gently <laughs> has to be on their like radar. He's got yeah, he's got to be on their list of guys they want to get. Yeah, I surely mean, because they are kind of turning into the the uh, fast franchise as far as like the kind of character actors they're targeting. Mm-hmm. Well, they, I mean, there's a good chance they could bring in Kia Kwan and Michelle Yao with the you know. Damn, God, uh, Michelle Yeoh to John Wick. Oof. Let's get Mi- Michelle Yeoh and Jet Li in a movie together again. Yes. They've worked together before, right? Surely. I can't They have to work together surely. and try together. Let's get them together. We're running out of things to talk about, yeah, Let's run to a verdict, shall we? What do we say? <laughs> Shell for trash for the one. Arthur, go. Uh, since we've talked about everything but this movie, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it's going in the trash. Just, just, just gently. Uh, it's a fun time, but it's trash. Very good, very good. What do you say, Dalton? This movie succeeds at everything it wants to do. That doesn't mean it's not trash. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, it's fine. It's on HBO right now. That's where it should live. You don't need to own this movie because it's it's pretty thin. This is perpetually one of those TBS, TNT, sure, whatever movies. Yeah. yeah, and I'm saying the same thing. Don't, don't buy it. Stream it. But absolutely stream it. It's a recommend, but not to buy. Jet Li claps a cop to death with two motorcycles. <laughs> That's nuts. That's, what more do you need? Some like? crazy stuff in this movie. And, <laughs> and yeah, you get to see some representations of uh, Bagua and uh, Xing Yi, which mm-hmm. are two martial arts styles that have not like got a lot of exposure in the West. It's valuable for that regard. Mm-hmm. Trash yeah. isn't bad. I'm you're also putting in the trash, right? Yeah, I'm trash for sure. Yeah. yeah. Trash it and watch it. Yeah. Watch it, then trash it. I don't know. We'll watch it. Yeah. I'm, I'm recommending watch it. it and formulate your own decisions. Watch please. it, but don't buy it, is what I'm trying to say. Um if you want to be part of the conversation, if you think we're crazy, ask Dalton to tell you how to be part of the conversation. I'm gonna do it right now. Yeah. If you own the one and you're like, what's wrong with you three? You absolutely put the one on the shelf. <laughs> right next to your system of a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and right next to all your other Jet Li movies, because I assume you also have uh, Unleashed and Black Mask 2, City of Masks. Uh, so if you're a Jet Li completist and you want to let us know why we're wrong, you can email us, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. That's goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com for all your long-form feedback. We'd love to get your emails and see what you have to say. Uh, you can also also find us over on Twitter, at goodtrashmedia. That's at goodtrashmedia over on the gross Elon app. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much the only place on social media we're active. We have other accounts, but we don't really keep up to date on any of them. Um, but, uh, you know... Rate, review, subscribe. You know how podcasts work. However you're putting this in your ears, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. Uh, We definitely would appreciate it if you gave us the old rate and review if you haven't already. Uh, And last but certainly not least, you can find us over on patreon.com forward slash GTM. That's patreon.com forward slash GTM. That's where you can help keep the lights on, uh, help us pay our web hosting fees, and uh, find out what's in it for you. You can do cool stuff like uh, peruse our back catalog of bonus episodes, pick a movie for us to talk about on the show, or even get a Blu-ray sent to you uh, based on a survey that we have you fill out. Could be Xanadu. It could be Xanadu. You too, like my wife and I, could be proud owners of a copy of Xanadu. Xanadu. Because my wife loves Olivia Newton-John. Uh, so <laughs> now we own in Xanadu. Now we own Xanadu uh, because my, my wife is a, a Patreon supporter. God love her. Uh, <laughs> so you too could own Xanadu if you're an Olivia Newton-John fan. Uh, but it's patreon.com forward slash GTM if you want to find out more about that. Arthur, East meets West crime wave continues. Who's who's the lucky star? Who's working in the States next? This is a quick aside, but isn't it just absolutely insane that Michelle Gondry made uh, the Green Hornet starring Jeff Seth Rogen and uh, Christoph Waltz and Cameron Diaz? Yes. Absolutely insane. Anyway, yes. Truly deranged. I was looking up to see who played uh, Cato in that. Who did play Cato in that? Uh, it's somebody Chow... that didn't have a big crossover career, right? Where's his name? I saw it a minute ago. Uh, Jay Chow. Hmm. He was a pop star. Ah, uh, okay. Right, and like a rain kind of thing. He did yeah. this, and now you see me too. I don't know if he did anything else, really. Gotcha. So, uh, anyway, next week, well, next week, uh, we're going to continue our East Goes West Crime Wave Marathon with a pretty big name, uh, but we're actually going to slightly meet them halfway when we go across the pond. 
uh, because this movie is fairly recent. In fact, it came out 22 years after this person broke out in America. I know next week is. we get to see Jackie Chan live out his old man action phase in the foreigner. This, oh, I love this movie. Rules. This movie goes so hard. Yeah. Um, have you seen this, Arthur? Okay, so we've all seen this one. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about. It's the gonna foreigner. be so fun. We're gonna talk about the IRA. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Martin Campbell and Pierce Brosnan getting back together. Oh my God, you're right. What? Because they, they're they're Goldmine. a Bond movie together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so cool. I'd forgot about that. I'm there for it. So there you go, dear listener. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. Thank you.